Welcome to the Kinda Crunchy Podcast, where we talk about all things health and wellness. We can't wait for you to hear today's episode, so let's get to it. Welcome back, guys, to Kinda Crunchy. This is Rachel here. Um, we are joined with a guest today, Dr. Katie Morris. Hi. Um, she is a chiropractor who practices in Brockway, PA, at her practice hometown, um, chiropractic. And it is just me today with Katie. Jensen is not feeling well, so it'll just be me and Katie, but I know she has so much good stuff to share, so I'm excited because it won't just be you guys having to listen to me, and um, I think there's going to be all kinds of good insights. So with that, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi. So formerly Dr. Katie Morris, I am a chiropractor in uh, Brockway, PA. And I've been working there for about three years, graduated December 2019, so I'm coming up on that fourth year. And the first year I started in Altoona area working as an associate. Um, a little bit about me, um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We met when we were 16 <laughs> and um, we kind of did everything really quick in a hurry. Like we had our babies really young, so we grew up together. We grew our babies up together. <laughs> And now I have, I have two kids. I have Aspen, my daughter, she's seven, and Miles, my son, he's two. And my life just revolves around my work, my husband's work, <laughs> my kids, and whatever else we can fit in in between. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that is the gist of me. I love it. I I follow Katie on uh, Instagram, and I've been seeing yeah. pictures of your kids all dressed for school lately. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. They are very photogenic kids. They <laughs> love taking the pictures. Like at first, I feel like I started with my daughters in kindergarten. She's in second grade now. Um, and every morning we'll be like, okay, day two, day three, day four. <laughs> and I remember the first year, she's like, okay, mom, that's enough. You know, if I can make it to like day yeah. fifteen. And now I'm the one flocking. She's like, Mom, are we going to do the picture? Where's my photo shoot? <laughs> and then, like, Miles will jump in and be like, me too, me too. Which is so just, like, today's phone age kids where they yeah. are used to pictures. They're ready for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I didn't know that you were high school sweethearts. My husband and I were as well. So I didn't know that about you either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a similar type of thing. We just have waited to have kids. Like, yeah. I yeah. feel like pushed it forever as opposed to right away. Yeah, that was kind of... I, I was pregnant young. We'll get into that too, I'm sure, as I talk yeah. about like my experiences. But I was pregnant at 19, like a couple years out of school. So it wasn't planned, but uh -huh. that was what was planned for me, I guess. Yes. Know? So Yeah, I love but, that. I've always said, it, I'm like, oh, I wish we would have gotten married like the day after high school and had babies. Just like jumped right in. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this is our journey. Like we're, right. we were the first married and we'll be the last to have kids of all our friends. <laughs> Um, but no, that's awesome. I have, um, visited Katie before. It's a little bit of a drive to where she's at from where I'm at. So mm -hmm. I have visited her before for chiropractic work and I have a lot of friends that have gone to her, um, that are pregnant or have babies. And I'm sure that when I am, that's my plan. Um, just because I know, aside from being a chiropractor, that's kind of integrated in that practice yeah. of one of your focuses. Um, but with your journey of being a chiropractor, can you tell me a little bit about what got you interested in that or why you chose yeah. chiropractic? Yeah. So like, it's like so cliche, but chiropractic kind of ended up choosing me <laughs> because <laughs> I tried so hard to like avoid the destiny of being a chiropractor. Uh -huh. um, I grew up and I was, as a kid, I was adjusted uh -huh. um, like sporadically. My parents utilized chiropractic care 
Um, they raised me a little bit more holistic than I ever realized growing up. Um, they weren't like maybe what we would talk, call today's crunchy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like they did some holistic alternative things with me. Um, you know, like I don't remember seeing a pediatrician past the age of 10. Like, oh, really yeah. Um, and if I was sick from school, my parents took me to see a chiropractor and that was the excuse I got to send it to yeah. school. Um, so it was in my life. But it wasn't in my head to, mm -hmm. to be a chiropractor. So fast forward, you know, in through like later high school, I'm realizing I like sciences. I like biology a lot. Um, I'm going to do something with mm -hmm. science and biology. And um, just didn't think chiropractic. My stepdad came into my life who is a chiropractor. Oh, okay. My parents were divorced. And mm -hmm. my mom started... Um, their relationship when I was in like eighth grade, I believe, seventh grade, okay. somewhere in that ballpark. And still at that point, like it wasn't in my head, mm -hmm. like that's what I would do <laughs> at all. Um, so I'm in, I'm in high school. I start paving the way for doing um, biology. And I even started like AP bio at my school. I used to go to Dubois. Mm -hmm. And so I was the only student to take it the first year because oh, wow. I requested it. I really wanted to take <laughs> it because I wanted to get um, – invited to do this academy it was called is upci university of pittsburgh cancer Institute, okay. and they took on like 40 kids that were before graduating high school mm -hmm. and so i thought it would look really good on my application <laughs> <laughs> and so i ended up getting into this which i was like okay yeah. i spent a whole summer awesome. in pit at the university of pit and mm -hmm. we did literally cancer research and with like mentors and everything wow and so i thought that was really where i was gonna go mm -hmm. um but it's a sad story because I, I did not end up liking it. Mm. My mentor, she was around a long time and her name was Julie. And she told me that I should not go this route mm. because over her career, you know, she was kind of coming to the end of it. She said that half of her time now was spent like typing up, looking for money, getting grants. Mm. And so she would have ideas of what maybe she wanted to research, mm -hmm. but what she would be allowed to research or what she would have funding to research was was not like what her mind was coming mm -hmm. up with and so it just you know looks prettier than it really is in reality yeah so I spent the summer researching a drug that had already been on the market for like 40 years wow they're just redoing it and so it made me really sad to realize that like okay first of all you sit in here lonely in a lab like a 24 7 mm -hmm. science project didn't actually end up loving that Way too much chemistry for me. I didn't love chem. Um, <laughs> I like bio. But anyway, um, we were studying a drug that was already in the market. We injected these little mice hmm. and then saw, okay, it kind of worked. And yeah. that was it. And that was a pilot study. So a pilot study okay. means you're like doing a pre-study to see, okay, are we going to do this bigger scale? Mm -hmm. And so it passed. And then they were going to do it again for like a year. So hmm. when you submit your money to cancer research, Sometimes that's what it goes to. Because mm -hmm. UPCI, it's a very, like, prestigious place yeah. for cancer research. Um, so, basically, that crashed and burned for me. I realized, okay, you know, at the end of my high school, I'm not going to do yeah. research. I'm not going to do bio. And I said, all right, I'll be a medical doctor. Fine, you know. <laughs> and so, I got accepted to do, like, a program. It was, like, a three-in-one where I was going to go to Wacom College in Lake Erie. And okay. as soon as I was signing up to do that, my stepdad started getting in my ear. And he was mm -hmm. like why would you want to be an MD? Why would you want to be an MD? Be a chiropractor <laughs> like me. And it's no shame to MDs. I was going to be one. It was actually a DO program. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's, I was like, it's fine. I'll do it. And I want to do DO instead of MD because I thought it was kind of a middle line. Like, yeah. 
not a chiropractor, not a medical doctor, but a doctor of osteopathic medicine that can manipulate at the spine. Yeah. Well, then I found out with some like studying and research <laughs> and shadowing that most of the time they really are just an MD that have mm-hmm. a DO title. Um, most of them don't do any manipulation. Manipulation is much different than chiropractic adjustment, kind of serving different purposes. And I wasn't loving it. So he sent me out to Life University, which is a chiropractic college, to do a tour. And they had like a whole weekend. It's called Life Leadership Weekend. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I got to take out my boyfriend at the time, um, who I'm married to now, <laughs> and we checked it out and it was just like an eye opener. I went there, I got like immersed in the campus, I talked to the people that were there and I realized, yeah, why am I doing this? <laughs> Literally at a stop in college, told the college, nope, I'm not doing this. I got my track, talked to the Life oh. University and said, what do I need to do to get here? Yeah. And um, just kind of follow that journey out. But it's wow. funny because they tried to avoid it for yeah. a long time. Yeah. It seems like you've always had an interest then in the body and like health. Yeah, totally. It was just trying to figure out yeah. where I my puzzle piece would fit into that. You yeah. Know, I even shadowed like my aunt who was a nurse and I didn't like that. So like yeah. I found a bunch of things I didn't like and I tried to avoid what I did like for some yeah. reason. And so I was like, okay, yep. Cross everything out. This is, this is it. This is it. Yeah. I love it. How how awesome. What a journey. Yeah. And like to really have that experience of being like, oh, I think this is what I want to do. And then that being like, absolutely not with yeah. the research and then saying, well, I think this might be it. And then kind of seeing more into it to really be able to be like, no, that's crossed off. Yeah. And it all led you to where you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and what you like to do. Right. So Awesome. As a chiropractor, I mean, chiropractors can see a lot of different populations of people. I mean, pretty much anyone alive. (laughs) Yes. As a spinal column. Right. Um, I know that you see all different patients and populations, but Mm -hmm. you do seem like, from my perspective, to specialize, or at least I have a lot of friends that are more pregnant or going to be giving labor or have young babies um, that come to you. So can you talk a little bit about how that has occurred or sparked your interest that you seem to have a a larger population of women in the childbearing years that you're seeing. Yeah. So, I mean, you're definitely right. Chiropractors can see like somebody from like zero days old, just born up into like nineties, you Mm -hmm. know, or or beyond they want to. So I have really fun, really diverse days where I don't know what's going to walk in my door that day. Um, and, and it makes the job interesting because you're not just kind of doing the same thing all the time. You get to really use all your knowledge. But for me, like how I fell more into like um, pregnancy, women and children is experiencing it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, like it just felt really natural to me yeah. when I was pregnant. I did utilize chiropractic care. Um, shout out to the Castiles because that's <laughs> where I went to see. I mean, it was a while back, so it was Scott Castile at the time. Um, and then my stepdad, too, because I lived over here. So he would adjust me. He would adjust mm-hmm. me. You know, I got that. So I had an idea of, okay, getting adjusted in chiro- and yeah. you know, using chiropractic is good for pregnancy and birth. Worked out for me. So I knew in the back of my mind, I want to do that for other people because mm-hmm. it worked for me. But ultimately when I was pregnant in our small area, um, I really noticed there was a void like that mm-hmm. needed filled really quickly. Um, and I'll talk and touch base more on that when we get into like the birth classes and stuff that I teach mm-hmm. and what that entails and how I got there. But you know, there was just nothing around here. Mm-hmm. 
at the time, it, it is no shame to my stepdad or to any other chiropractor I saw, but there wasn't anybody that specialized in that kind of thing. Nobody really talked about it. They mm-hmm. just said it was good. But was there anybody talking about the nitty-gritty details of it? And it made sense to me. And there wasn't very many female chiropractors in our area. At the time, I didn't know any. There was probably yeah. one. But at the time, I grew up with all-male mm-hmm dominated profession in chiropractic so for me it just was filling the void and being that female for other females um and you know just that's, that's really it just kind of filling yeah. that gap that was needed yeah and I would um, I would agree I saw that gap too yeah. growing up um I I can't think of a, a chiropractor yeah. in the surrounding area that was a woman that I know yeah. of especially I didn't hear of growing up, oh, yeah. like, it can help with pregnant women or things yeah. like that. Like, it was something you do when you, like, put your hip out of place yeah. or your neck yeah. or your back. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think there was a huge void there that needed fuel. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, with with these women at this point, um, like, there's so many different little things to work on with them. Like, yes, they're still coming in for pain. Mm-hmm. Like, right, like pregnancy is a time that your body expands tremendously. You have this hormone relaxin that works on all your joints and ligaments and muscles. It wants your body to expand to grow a baby. But in that expansion, we're talking, okay, can we expand evenly or are we starting to expand unevenly? Mm -hmm. The way I always talk to my pregnant moms is, you know, they come in with something, they're like, this didn't happen because I was pregnant. Well, pregnancy has a way of highlighting issues that you didn't know Mm -hmm. or exaggerating (laughs) issues that you were already aware of. Because of that expansion, because of the way that the Mm -hmm. joints are moving. And you have to be a little bit more specific and delicate with these people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really like a tug of war game, like keeping things in when week to week, these bodies are continuing to change. Our center Mm -hmm. of gravity when we're pregnant even changes. It starts at S2 in your sacrum. And when you're pregnant, it completely shifts. Mm -hmm. When you like look at the way that it comes down, it like works. (laughs) But so like there's a lot of different things and working on their comfort and their pains. But then also when you keep a woman's body in alignment in pregnancy, mm-hmm. we're not just talking like the bones, we're talking the pelvic floor muscles, making sure left to right is balanced, making sure that their uh, ligaments, like the round ligaments in the front aren't pulling and twisting because mm-hmm. those are something that a lot of women experience pain with, but also don't realize that that ligament that's hurting, it attaches to your uterus and it attaches within your pelvis. Mm-hmm. So if it's tight on one side, how is that twisting or turning your uterus so that your baby can't grow or move or position yeah. themselves well? So we're talking comfort. We're talking positioning of the baby now, too. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking that positioning that we're going to help the baby get into by creating space, now we're talking having a better birth outcome. So mm-hmm. these women that are coming to see me in pregnancy, because I've kind of learned about it and worked with it and experienced it, I know how profound it can be to just be adjusted. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, I know I just go off and off and off. No, no, that is <laughs> But there's so many aspects to, like, why it could be helpful. And, and before, you know, when I was pregnant the first time, any adjustment was good for me, mm-hmm. you know. But after I went through school and I started seeking out this kind of knowledge these mm-hmm. certifications, these workshops, seminars, and everything, I started realizing, like, there is an elite level to be, and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to know everything. I uh-huh. became a complete birth, pregnancy, everything nerd, yeah. which still <laughs> am to this day, um, 
And so I was filling that gap and I was going to fill it well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's so interesting because there, I have friends right now, a lot of friends who yeah. are pregnant or have had yeah. babies and you hear like, Oh, my body aches or like this mm. or that. And so often I think women are uncomfortable during that pregnancy yeah. and something so I mean, chiropractic is complex, but so simple to go yeah. get adjusted can make all the difference in their comfortability or right. the way that their body's working and in I that think pregnancy. It's becoming something that's a lot more well known. Mm-hmm. Like before, it might have been taboo, and like if you were pregnant and you got adjusted, you were in the minority. Yeah. And I feel like today that's starting to switch. I'm in a great time frame to be a chiropractor because of the mental shift in the paradigm yeah. in healthcare. But um, this is also a time in a woman's life where you're limited on options. When you're pregnant, mm-hmm. you cannot get surgery. You cannot take many mm-hmm. medications. You can't <laughs> just get injections. People can't image you an x-ray and MRI you to see what's going on. So chiropractic is the perfect alternative mm-hmm. to seek out for these women. And I think that other medical providers are starting to lean on that too, instead yeah. of kind of shift away from it. And they're learning about it too. And it's getting more popular that I'm getting referrals all all the time on a weekly basis from OBGYNs and, you know, people within a hospital setting now, Yeah, which is, yeah, it's awesome. It's been exciting to kind of see the shift. I know Mm -hmm. that's what we've said here at kind of crunchy is, um, you know, I think there was kind of this big divide between like the crunchy world and the medical world. And I still think there is, but I think there is some assimilating happening there where they're kind of saying, how can we work together? And chiropractic definitely goes hand in hand with that. And I've always thought chiropractic's interesting because that is one of the practices that sometimes doctors will refer patients to more than these other alternative or complementary type of styles of medicine or treatment. Um, I, I think too that social media has definitely helped with kind of creating more acceptance around this, like seeing, Oh, my friend does this, or this is what they really Mm -hmm. do. And just opening minds, especially around chiropractic. I know that's one of the ways I found you because you are so out of like my area to see like, Oh, I have friends that go here and like, this is what she does. Right. Um, I think, you know, sometimes chiropractic can be scary to people that didn't grow up going yeah. to a chiropractor and be like, well, I don't want my neck broke or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. crazy like that. Yeah. Um, and then especially to women who that wasn't their experience at, yeah. like their friends didn't go to a chiropractor or their parents didn't. Um, as far as like adjustments for, for pregnant women, I know you kind of went into that. What yeah. does it look like? Like, I know you adjust babies as well. Mm-hmm. So I know that's something like I haven't had a baby. I yeah. My mom never took her babies to get adjusted. Yeah. So that's something I know nothing about. But I know it can be helpful to the baby. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to kind of shout out to something that you can you can link in here if you want to later okay. on. It's called ICPA for Kids. It's the website. Mm-hmm. But ICPA is the International Chiropractic pediatric association. Mm -hmm. This is something that when I was in school, I sought out some seminars, I did some workshops and I was involved in the club at school. Mm -hmm. And so this um, goes the extra mile to give chiropractors the um, practice and research and understanding of how to work on a baby versus an adult. And Mm -hmm. something that we said a lot of the time is that babies aren't just tiny adults. So you're not going to adjust them the same way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even adjusting a day old baby the same way as I'm working with a two or six month baby. Mm-hmm. For me, every time somebody comes in and brings their baby, depending on the baby's age, 
what I'm doing with them is going to be different. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say, in case it's never been talked about, and I don't remember being talked about, I've listened to the podcast, but I don't know if Chloe touched on what it looks like to adjust a baby. Um, it's very, very soft. So babies have, of course, their bones, their joints, just like adults do, but they're not fully hardened. They're not ossified bone. And so in these babies, you're not really making like that pop crack, like my mm -hmm. uncle just is, right? Mm -hmm. And so instead, you're kind of simply guiding with pressure points on them. Okay. I'm feeling at that bone, they still have to find it, I still have to feel for its misalignment, but it's more of a light touch to it and guiding it into its place yeah. and then rechecking. Um, in addition, like that's not the only thing I work on with babies, but that is what the adjustment looks like. Parents are usually like very surprised or pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. that, okay, this isn't that intense. Yeah. And so I try to share videos once in a while of doing it so that, you know, the general public can understand like, this isn't mm -hmm. that wild. I'm not trying to break this baby. I mean, honestly, why would we try to do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not going to be good for me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to lose my license. It's a yes. huge liability. <laughs> but I think one of the things that makes a lot of people comfortable is the fact that like, I have my own kids adjusted. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do anything to your child that I wouldn't do to my own child. Mm -hmm. And my children were both adjusted right from birth. And so I feel comfortable having, I had somebody else adjust my daughter from birth because I wasn't a chiropractor yet. Uh -huh. And then my son, I was able to. So if I was, you know, willing to hand up my child, then I can take yours on. Yeah. Um, but it's a big deal for somebody to hand me the most important thing in the world and yeah. say, you got it, you know, <laughs> help me help this child. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so much more gentle than an adult adjustment at many mm -hmm. levels. But when somebody, we're kind of running through, like, if somebody brought their newborn to me. So one thing that I do for my prenatal patients, if I've seen you regularly through your prenatal care, your first postpartum visit for you and the baby is complimentary in my office. Mm -hmm. Because I care that much mm -hmm. to see that child set foot in a good way from the beginning. And so awesome. I, I try to encourage that. And I would say, you know, most of the moms, maybe 90% end up do going through with that. Yeah. Some moms are only there for the prenatal. That's what they're into. I'm not, I'm not a pushy person, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to present you the info and do yeah. what you do with it, you know, <laughs> but, um, when that newborn comes into me, we're doing quite a few things. So I kind of wrote some things in here just to make me go through it well, but we're doing the basic body check. We're looking at the joints. I'm feeling mm -hmm. them, I'm motioning them. I'm seeing what their general posture and alignment is looking like and correcting it at basic minimum. Yeah. Then we're looking at their reflexes. So babies have a few things. There's reflexes that we all have. Like if I hit your knee with something, mm -hmm. you know, it's a reflex <laughs> hammer, it's going to jerk, right? Yeah. So babies have reflexes like we do, but they also have these reflexes called primitive reflexes mm -hmm. that eventually go away. So at different ages, I'm looking to see, are they there? Did they integrate? Meaning, mm -hmm. did they go away as they should have? Because if not, that can mean that they're not going to hit a milestone mm -hmm. or they might be lagging or even as science as it gets, like something in their brain, you know, isn't processing. Yes. So I'm looking at their reflexes from a young age, seeing how mm -hmm. those are looking. Um, and then depending on the age, you know, their milestone of where they're at. But as a newborn, we're always looking at alignment and we're always looking at their reflexes. And then I'm also assessing for something called a tongue and a lip tie, like oral mm -hmm. ties within their mouth because that can really affect a lot of things in them and not mm -hmm. providers are looking for that. I've unfortunately seen it many times in babies um, that were even evaluated mm -hmm. for it. Um, it. It was missed, you know, whether by a lactation specialist or yeah. at the hospital or a pediatrician. 
um, it's just something you have to, when you're a provider, you have to want to learn more about it. And I sought out different courses mm -hmm. to do. Um, so I'm always giving an evaluation for that so that that mom has that second opinion because that can really just derail breastfeeding. It can mm -hmm. harm their feeding in general where they're spitting up and refluxing. This is mm -hmm. that oral ties the whole reason. So I do a check for that. And oh, I that's pretty losing my place. Interesting. Yeah. My mom, um, I worked in occupational therapy before this for several okay. years yeah. um, in the school-based setting mm -hmm. and with a lot of peds. Um, yeah. So like age three through 21. Um, and I worked in an office with speech therapists mm -hmm. and we discovered I have a tongue tie still. Oh really? And yeah. they're like, well, don't get it clipped now. Cause then you won't know how to talk again. Like right, you'll, right, right. you'll have all kinds of yours really far back, like a posterior. Oh no, yours no, is pretty severe. It's, yeah. yeah. I can't, I can't really stick my tongue out or yeah. anything. Yeah, it's it's wow. very tight. And my mom was like, I feel awful. I got two different opinions. Mm. And they said you weren't when you were a baby. And I was right. like, well, so like, like, they do. So like the <laughs> listeners, if you have a baby or you're going to have a baby, a couple things that you can see on yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. So can a baby protrude their tongue? Can it stick out? Because the baby mm -hmm. will play around with their tongue. And it should come outside the bounds of their lips uh -huh. pretty well, you know? <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, it should rest on the roof of the mouth, and when they cry, it should reach that mouth. So every baby's going to cry at some point. Mm -hmm. And when they do, you need to watch, is their tongue kind of ewing where it curves, mm -hmm. or is it lifting the whole way up? And if the baby's sleeping, do they tend to keep their mouth open? You should shut it. And when it's shut, you should mm -hmm. open it and look and see where their tongue is resting. If the tongue can't comfortably rest there... Well, that's the way that they push down a nipple of a bottle or a nipple of a breast mm -hmm. by pressing it up into the roof of their mouth. And so you can see how that simple mechanic not happening could create so many issues. Yeah. How much air are they sucking in now? Um, are they, you know, getting too much at mm -hmm. one time and swallowing and then having to spit it back up? Is it just pouring in their mouth and sitting there? Um, there's, it's so complex, yeah. right? And so for me, something that I'm looking at is if a baby can't turn their head well, they might not be able to latch to a breast wall because they have to turn mm -hmm. with their mouth up to the nipple. So if I'm rolling that out or I'm correcting it and they're still having an issue, maybe it was an oral tile all along. So yeah. now every time I evaluate, I snap on a glove and look yeah. right away, even if it's not yeah. really like within my lane to do so. Nobody else is doing it. So now I've put it in my lane. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I appreciate that because I do feel like that's something that can get missed until yeah. a child say like, preschool age or even kindergarten and right. then they see a speech therapist just as an initial consult and they're yeah. like oh they might have tongue tight and then there's yeah. already these patterns established they're past breastfeeding but even speech yeah. or language patterns that might and, you be know there's there's a ton of controversy now that we're getting off on this whole lip tie <laughs> tangent um on lip tie tongue tie tangent that snipping it might not be the best option mm -hmm. so now people are saying oh you should do like in inside oral work uh -huh. and you know um do body work they're promoting things like chiropractic which i think is great but mm -hmm. it depends on the severity in the case but yeah. a lot of the time i do kind of lean towards doing a simple snip i see an amish population mm -hmm. and i had the worst tongue tie i've ever seen and lip tie in this baby hmm. and they actually asked me to snip it spoiler alert i said no <laughs> <laughs> i was like no that's not something I'm going to do today. But I kind of refer them out to some, like, dentists, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they ask me to do some real off-the-wall stuff sometimes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, out of my scope. Yeah, I mean, outside of uh, the, the whip tie check. Other than that, I'm looking at their, like, cranium, like, their head, and I'm mm -hmm. seeing, you know, do we have any overlapping? Do we have any bulging? And at the um, 
you know, soft spots to fontanelles in yeah. our head and looking for things like um, hip dysplasia, seeing how those are mm-hmm. setting. They should, again, check that in the hospital, though I've caught it one time. Um, so if I'm going to catch it once in a million, I'm going to check it every time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I love that you kind of ran through what you're looking at when a newborn comes in, because I think as someone like who wants to have children in the future, not knowing what a visit like that would look like, you just assume like, well, when I go to the chiropractor, they like twist and crack me. So Mm -hmm. that might be what it's like for my baby. So, Oh, I don't know if I want to, but hearing that it's really a look at the baby, like, Is everything working well in place? Like, what's, what's going on with it? Anyone that's utilizing chiropractic care or watching it online, you know, you're seeing one thing, but what you're not able to pick up is what the chiropractor's seeing. Like, mm-hmm. our chiropractic eyeball and brain yeah. is picking up so many little details at once. And if we're not speaking it out loud, you don't know. So I try to describe it here to you today, but, like, when I'm working mm-hmm. on a patient, like, this is what I'm looking at and stuff. But you're never going to be able to pick up all the yeah. details, you know, but I'm trying to give you a glimpse of it. Yeah. But also, like, the things um, that you may not realize are, like, what seeing a baby could help. So, right, we talked about, yeah. like, what I'm looking at. But let's talk about, like, the basic, like, if I'm correcting a subluxation, which is, like, a misalignment in their mm-hmm. spine, what that could do. So just to list off a few things that I work on with them. Um, a lot of the time, because I'm affecting the nervous system, we have our spine that houses the spinal cord that mm-hmm. branches into all the nerves. They control everything in the body. So because we're working with the nervous system and kind of putting it into a calm state, we can help with their eating. We can help with their digestion, reflux, constipation, colic, overall sleeping patterns, and then and more, right? Mm-hmm. Working on like milestones and actual physical things. But those are kind of the common baby issues mm-hmm. that people come into me with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think as a new time mom, that would be so comforting to have someone that it's like, Oh my gosh, my baby's constipated and I don't know what to do. Or like their, their sleep is off. I don't know what's wrong to be able to just say like, Oh, I'm going to go have the chiropractor look it over and give it an adjustment and see if that's a good first step that works. Yeah. And that could alleviate so, so much. many of those issues so much, and yeah. like so much of the extra added stress of being a new mom and the baby exactly. having issues yeah. that it can make the whole process easier. I'm sure having yeah. a resource like you. Um, so with that, I, I know that your practice involves a lot of newborns and a lot of pregnant moms. Um, yeah. I know that you have been doing birthing classes. I've mm-hmm. had several friends that have attended them. Um, received an education kind of around physiological birthing and just birthing in general. Can you explain a little bit about what physiological birthing is Mm -hmm. and how your birth classes work, how that could benefit um, someone who is giving birth for the first time or a second time, however many times? Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing these birth classes now for, I don't know, the past year maybe, and I'm with my fifth group right now. They're an wow. amazing group of five, six <laughs> women in there. And it's about the average is these six, seven at a time. They can bring, um, you know, their birth partners or husband or boyfriend or whatever their situation mm-hmm. is with them. Um, but this birth class was something I've dreamed up for a long time. Mm-hmm. So as far back as when I mentioned that I got pregnant and I saw there was a void. Yeah. So when I got pregnant, I... And we'll touch base on this more. I know where this is coming up. We're going to talk about I had two home births. Um, But when I was doing that, you know, I wanted to do things natural, I guess. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to have a vaginal birth. And I wanted to do it without intervention. But there were zero birth classes in our area. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I lived in, like, Dubois, Brockway area, which I'm still pretty local to. 
but even all of our surrounding area, like our whole tri-county, yes. has no <laughs> birth classes. Um, I guess to go to one, I don't know how far I would have had to go, honestly, at that point. If yeah. there was even anything within an hour distance or more. Probably at least state college. And I mean, yeah. I remember searching a lot and I didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that was offered was Dubois Hospital at the time. They did like a course but the thing was, that course was tailored to, if you were having a hospital birth, of course, mm -hmm. but it was more of a tour and more of a, oh, okay. okay, here's where you'll come in, this is the facility, this yeah. is the birth room, these are the interventions that you can do and what they look like, which I think should be the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> to just or, make ladies comfortable. To, yeah, yeah like that should happen for everybody. That shouldn't be those that seek yeah. it out. Um, like everybody should know where they're going to give birth and uh -huh. know what is going to happen there. But that was that was a birth course, and maybe I'm shitting on it a little bit too much, and maybe there's more <laughs> to it. But, I mean, I've talked to those that have done it, and I asked about yeah. it. And then, actually, it got shut down for a while. Like, it didn't even happen. Mm -hmm. I think they just started it back up, and thank mm -hmm. you, COVID, you know. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and maybe it was shut down even before that. But it, it just kind of started kicking back up the tour, I call it. So, <laughs> there was nothing for me, and I had to do a lot of my own, like, external yeah. research um, just to figure it out. So, fast forward to chiropractic school they start having people come in and say, we're going to offer doula courses or mm -hmm. we're going to offer childbirth education courses. And I said, yep, yep, sign me up, you know. <laughs> so I went, How I don't even remember how long the process was. You know, I went a handful of times for like full days to do this course. Mm -hmm. And it was through CAPPA, C-A-P-P-A. And honestly, God, I don't even remember what that stands for. Yeah. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> but that was what I got like certified through I didn't uphold the certification because really mm -hmm. it's just pain to have the letters you know yeah <laughs> but um anyway I I did that and I was gung-ho got my certification went through it and I said I'm ready to rock this now yeah and so my stepdad chiropractor works in Altoona and when I went home over break I said I'm gonna do a birth class in your office wow but he saw a pretty heavy you know Medicare population <laughs> that do not care about what I was doing yeah um and so we we put it out we email blasted it there's flyers up zero people signed up zero wow okay yeah so how discouraging right <laughs> yeah. but I said you know what whatever like these people don't know me they don't know what I'm offering yeah. like I'll try again later yeah and I mean although that's a little discouraging <laughs> um you know fast forward to after I had my second child in my practice I was like I want to be a midwife now like you know this yeah is so inspiring but that process and that lifestyle was not going to fit me yeah so I said okay um I'm helping people physically with their bodies mm -hmm. how can I give them like the weapon of knowledge to move forward and that. so built up my birth class now physiologic birth basically um physiological just means normal process in the body mm -hmm. so all I'm teaching these women is how when their body is working right, the normal process of labor and even pregnancy is working for them. Mm -hmm. And um, I teach this class in three parts. There's prenatal adaptations, there's labor onset and stages, and then there's push and breath prep. So in basic terms, it's just teaching the woman how their body changes and then how to use their body to their advantage before and during the birth process. It's a super hands-on course. Like I said, I have moms come along I have them getting down in waiver positions. I teach them how to keep their pelvis mobile. I teach their birth partner if they're there how to be hands-on during the birth process mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of be that support. 
And we go over so much in that class, but it's basically just giving moms the info that they don't have time to receive at like mm-hmm. their prenatal appointments and, and then some, and a lot, yeah. you know? Yeah. I love that. I, I don't know of many or any other birth yeah. classes around here. Like you yeah. said, um, that really, I feel like that's such an important thing too, because it not only makes you feel more empowered, but more comfortable going into the process, knowing like, this is normal for my body to do this, or Mm -hmm. this is what it looks like when it's operating and allows the mom to make those choices of, okay, whether I want to have a hospital or a home birth, or I want this intervention or don't want this one, I still know what's supposed to happen during this process. My birth partner or whoever that might be also knows and is there to support me when I'm in pain and like what's going on and have to focus on that. It's super overwhelming because we live in such an informational world. Mm -hmm. So you could go out there and you could YouTube and you could podcast like this and you can Mm -hmm. read books and watch videos, but it's, it's almost too much. So what I try to do is just put all of the too much into a course (laughs) that puts the most important things in there in a concise manner that makes sense to them so that they don't have to seek out other things. Mm-hmm. Now I give them other information, you know, and, and links to things. And I have like a, a little checkout library at my office yeah. and stuff. they can take oh, books awesome. and videos and stuff out. But I do try to teach them what they need to know to be successful. Um, but also the big part of like getting birth education when you're pregnant is taking the fear out of it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know, that could be very scary. It could be alarming. You could be blindsided. Yeah. So just learning the process itself is, is important in whatever way somebody chooses to do that. And then a lot of these moms seeking out my class, they are hoping or trying for a more natural labor. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time in a hospital setting, a big part of that is teaching them to be able to advocate for themselves mm-hmm. and what they want and kind of put their foot down and say, no, I understand this is, you know, your way. Here's, you know, what I'm wanting out of it and kind of meeting that middle ground wherever you're at Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to speak up. It's really hard to speak up to an authority (laughs) in a position, you know? So, and I love when the moms bring a dad along with them so that they can be that second, um, you know, person on, on their side and understanding what they're going for. Yeah, absolutely. I know that that's something someday when I have kids that I'm definitely going to be like, we are absolutely doing birthing class because my husband too, he's already said before, like, I'm going to be passed out. Like, and I, I fully believe he will. (laughs) And I've said my, um, friend Kasten, she's been on the podcast yeah. before and I know she was a, a patient of yours and I said she's coming with me as like my advocate because she'll <laughs> she's know what be I your want. Sit in Dola. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She used to work in OB. I'm like she's, she's the perfect, perfect person. Perfect I'm just gonna slide her in there. Yeah. And she would, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think it can be so much more empowering to a woman and to understand like this is beautiful what my body is going to do. Like I'm mm. I created life. I'm going to give birth to life. And I should feel empowered in it. And I yeah. think mindset's such a big thing when you go into um, like the labor and delivery yeah. process. And so many women, I can see how they would be scared because you're in a hospital, which is normally like something's wrong or like I'm hurt or you just aren't comfortable in that setting. You're not familiar with it. And then you don't know what's supposed to be happening, what is right. happening to you, what they're doing, what they're poking and prodding. So having that education beforehand on okay, this is what you can advocate for. You mm-hmm. have the right to say, I want this or I don't want this. This is what your body's going to be doing. I just think it helps to calm like the brain, but also kind of empower that woman. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked too about 
hospital births and home births. And I know you yeah. said you had two home births. So yeah. this is something our listeners ask a lot on. Is oh, okay. They always are like, oh, we want more parenting or birthing or pregnancy, home births versus yeah. hospital. And so we had Kasten on and she had talked about natural birth in the hospital setting because mm-hmm. that's what she opted for her first one. And she was kind of yeah. back and forth between um, home birth and hospital options. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you'll share as much as you're comfortable about your home birth experiences because I know a lot of our listeners are curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll share as much as yeah. <laughs> you want to know. But... Um, I did want to touch one thing, if you don't Okay, mind, yes, yeah, absolutely. There, you know, you can put it in how you want. But um, just because I think it's so important, is understanding for, like, these pregnant moms is the mobility of their pelvis. So okay. in this physiological course, I'm teaching them how their pelvis, like we talked about, shifts and changes mm-hmm. in pregnancy, and then how to make sure that it's shifting and changing in your favor. And mm-hmm. so keeping it mobilized and balanced is a really big part of my class. So we're going over, like, their bodies, movements they can do. But the reason that that's so important is because when you give birth, it's not like a basketball going through a basketball hoop where it's a straight shot. Mm-hmm. Our pelvis is super dynamic. There are a, a few different parts, a few different joints within there, and it's very odd-shaped if you ever look at a pelvis mm-hmm. model. Like, it's it's not perfectly round, and a baby is also not perfectly mm-hmm. round. <laughs> so they have to do this, like, beautiful dynamic dance. So I'm just okay. going to talk through it so that everybody yeah. can be like, Wow, that is a lot. So when a baby is engaging, right, at the top of the pelvis and they're starting to get ready to start birth, their head is supposed to face, the back of their head is supposed to be kind of sideways but facing more towards the front. Okay. And the reason that is is because our pelvis at the top, its width is widest side to side. So it Mm. tries to put its widest part of their head, which is front to back, Mm -hmm. in the right spot. So it's like matching Mm. a puzzle piece, right? Right from the very beginning. So in pregnancy, you're not making sure that that baby has that space and that they're in a good position. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, you're making things a little bit more challenging because they're going to have to rotate to get in there. So that's how they start. And then when they move to the middle and lower part of the pelvis, they actually start to shift where their head is at. Mm. Because now the middle and lower part of the pelvis is wide as front to back. And so they're matching their front to back to that front to back, right? Uh And so again, puzzle piece turning through. But in Mm. that process of that happening, a few things are also happening. So at the top of that pelvis, the baby actually brushes up against the sacrum. And this tells them to have the sacrum tilt back. So the sacrum in between your pelvis actually teeter totters. Mm-hmm. So if it's really locked up or you're laying on your back or it's not mobile, mm-hmm. now your sacrum can't do this shift. And the reason mm-hmm. it shifts is to make a little bit extra space. As the baby comes to the top, the top of the sacrum moves out of the way. As the baby comes to the bottom, the bottom of the sacrum moves wow. out of the way. So if it can't do that teeter totter like motion, you are making mm-hmm. it a lot harder because the baby doesn't have that extra room that we're designed to put in there. Yeah. And so all these things are huh. meant to happen as that's going through. So yeah. in that class, I'm teaching those moms in this stage of labor, in this stage of labor, in this stage of labor, mm-hmm. this is how you should move to encourage your pelvis to move. Or this is how you wow. should move if the baby's not doing this. So it's it's more in depth, but it's not to get, yeah. they don't have to think through all those parts. We make it into like, okay, you're thinking about it this way, now you're doing mm-hmm. this, you're doing this. And we make it really simple, but it's a really complex process that we're trying to simplify, you know, in the way yeah. of our body. I will say it's really intuitive for a lot yeah. of people because like we'll get into my home births now. I had two. Mm-hmm. And my first home birth, 
I was 20 when I had her. Wow. 19 while pregnant. <laughs> and um, how I even knew to do this is because my mom had my youngest brother, who's like 18 years apart from me, mm. at the age of 40. Wow. At home <laughs> with a midwife. How neat. So my brother and I way more in her future. We were born in the hospital. Yeah. She had vaginal births, but they weren't natural. They weren't full of intervention. She was, you know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't anything like the, her last birth, the yeah. birth. And so I don't know. I didn't think about her old birth. I thought about my mom right now just did this. Mm-hmm. She did it. Why can't I? And that was really all it was like, yeah, yeah that makes sense to me. I don't <laughs> like hospitals. I don't like medicines. I don't like interventions. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. And this was pre-chiropractic school. So, yeah. So, like, it was was back, and I'm like, wow, I was so ambitious. (laughs) But it was also blissfully unaware of all of this knowledge. Yeah. So, I just had, I was chock full of confidence. Like, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I just, like, oh, thousands, millions of women have done this. Uh People didn't use to have a hospital. Like, of course I'll be fine. My mom did it. Yeah. Whatever. Now, not everybody else in my life thought that. Everybody else in my life thought, what the hell is she doing? And why is she doing this? And it's so unsafe and that's so scary Mm -hmm. and what a risk. Um, But home birth in today's world, at least in my experience, was not that, like, behind the barn birth that people are thinking it is. (laughs) Like, just where you're just, like, completely on your own. My midwife team was amazing, and awesome. it's very tailored to the same way that prenatal care is in an OB. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about, like, the birth, we talk about the prenatal care. So you can get a hold of your midwife, which they're hard to find, but if anybody knows me, I can get you all the info for local ones. You kind of awesome. have to know somebody that knows somebody. Yeah. Home birth midwives are like unicorns in our world. Hard to find. Yeah, hard I wouldn't know around here where Yeah, <laughs> you have to, like I said, you have to know somebody knows somebody, so you know me, so you'll be good. But... Um, First of all, like you can call them as soon as you know you're pregnant and they'll set up your first appointment just like they would in the hospital. And they're still going to put a Doppler on you. You're still going to find that heartbeat. Yeah. Every time I would pee in a cup and I would have all my stuff (laughs) checked up on. Uh You're allowed to do side-by-side care too if you want to. So if I Mm. wanted to have my OB care, um, you know, for my prenatals all through the hospital or another provider, I could and I could still give birth at home. So some people think it's like an all or nothing when you can do both. I mean, you can do both appointments. You can do all here and then just birth at home. I did choose to do all my care through my midwife because I felt really confident Mm -hmm. in her abilities. Um, My midwife was actually like Kasson. She used to be a nurse that worked in OB Mm -hmm. and she's still a part-time nurse, you know, in hospital setting. But um, I just felt really comfortable that she had everything I needed at her hands. Yeah. And I also didn't have any risks, any high risks or anything that came up, which was mm-hmm. nice. But we're doing other things. Like, we're being seen at the same rate every month and then every couple weeks mm-hmm. and then every week at the end. It's very, very yeah. similar. You can opt to do all the extra stuff if you want to do more ultrasounds. You don't have to do it mm-hmm. if you don't want. You can do blood work if you want. You can do vaccination if you want. You cannot do that stuff. Whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. it's really individualized care for you. Yeah. And they're just meeting you where you're at. And so for me, I, I you know, did my appointments with them. They even check like your glucose and see where that's at. They check mm-hmm. your iron levels. You know, they, they do Everything a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, for the most much. part, all of the most important things they're yeah. checking in on with you. And so going up to the end, you know, where you're going <laughs> into birth, they're just at your fingertip. You yeah. reach out to them and they can come right to your house. 
And so a lot of people thought that it was this crazy thing I was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't even tell. So I had a big baby shower for my first, uh -huh. none with my second, <laughs> but, um, I don't know, less than half the people there knew I was doing that. So they were all shocked when I yeah. put it online because the first few people I told, I got super annoyed with like the judgment yep. and like opinions. There's a stigma and, like, and you know opinions around it. Yeah. I just talked super vaguely about what I was doing. <laughs> Second time through, everybody probably knew, okay, this girl is going to do this again. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. But, um, the home birth process, my two births were really similar, which is uncommon. You know, a lot of yeah. people be like, every birth is different. Mine were really similar, <laughs> so I could talk about them the same way for the most part. Mm -hmm. But the difference was definitely in the knowledge that I had. So I had all this confidence in my mm -hmm. first to get me through, but it was easier the second time when I knew what was happening to me and why mm -hmm. and how I could support myself. Um, That's neat. Yeah, yeah. But did, do you want me to just go through the birth, or did you have like specific questions, like the process of what it looks like at home? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it would be great. Our listeners yeah. would love to kind of hear what the process at home looks yeah. like. And sure. what it kind of looked like for you. Because yeah. I do think it's so interesting to so many people. And they don't have anyone to give them a first, yeah. like, hand experience account. Yeah. Especially someone with education in this. Sure. And even just, like, when you were talking about the sacrum adjusting and things like yeah. that. Like, I didn't know about that at all. Right. And it's just interesting because our bodies are so intuitive of what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like us as women fight back against it just because we don't know. We haven't had a baby before. Yeah. We don't understand. Yeah. And so to have that knowledge and then, um, be able to lean into it, I just think is, is super cool. And, and you having the home birth experiences. Yeah. I'd love yeah. for you to, okay. to so, share that. So, here. so my first, <laughs> my daughter, um, I went past my due date a good bit. I was 41 weeks and three mm -hmm. days. And so most average gestation, you know, that the hospital's monitoring is 40 weeks is due date. Mm -hmm. I just say that's my 40 week mark, <laughs> but I passed it and that was fine. But then you start getting really mentally like, Oh my God, when is this baby coming? <laughs> um, and so when I was 41 plus two, I did have my midwife come and she did something called a membrane strip because I started getting nervous that I'm going to pass this 42 or so on. And uh, what if I plan this whole thing out to have to go get induced and things derail mm -hmm. or a C-section or whatever, you know, my whole plan start crumbling in my head. So I had her come and do this sweep where basically it's like a vaginal check. They go up inside the cervix and they mm -hmm. kind of just ring around it and do a little bit of separation. And for me, that worked like a charm, probably mm -hmm. because I already had some dilation. My body was pretty ready. But the next morning, so this was like in the evening, 5 p.m., the next morning I woke up and I knew that I was going to probably have a baby because I wiped and there was a little bit of blood. Mm -hmm. Not a scary amount of blood. It's just, you know, you wipe after you pee and there was something there, uh -huh. you know. And I'm like, okay. And additionally, I had some cramping going on. Mm -hmm. So this cramping for moms that never experienced birth, for me, it started out like, you know, menstrual cramping mm -hmm. where you just feel like stuff is squeezing in here. This isn't like a normal belly feeling today. Yeah. But the thing about that was that it continued. So this was like early in the morning. Mm -hmm. I was in college at the time. I only was going on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And of course it was a Thursday. <laughs> so I, you know, decided, okay, let's just go do these classes because mm -hmm. it was uncomfortable. It wasn't like dying at this point. It wasn't hurting. Yeah. So I went through my classes and as the day went on, the cramps intensified. So they didn't go away. They got a little closer together and the cramps got more crampy, right? They were squeezing, yeah. squeezing a little harder, <laughs> squeezing a little longer is all it is. So um, the way that I describe that to moms 
or not moms to people that are maybe moms to be or that are pregnant is you know the feeling when you put a blood pressure or blood pressure cuff on mm-hmm. and at first it's kind of white around you and then it squeezes 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 gets to that most impo- intense point and then just like yeah undo undoes it so it's kind of like what a cramp is like in your belly okay. like it, it builds so yeah. people talk about being like a wave or something you know that crashes uh-huh. so it's that same feeling squeeze 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 most intense point of that squeeze and it dies off. Release. So yeah. So that's what was happening. But the squeeze portion would last longer, uh-huh. and the <laughs> tight point would last longer. Okay. Right. And they started happening closer together. I did things throughout that day. I did my classes. I'd get up and go to the bathroom often. I was going for walks, and we even had a business tour that day. So <laughs> we were going to Goodwill Industries for a oh, business boy. class, touring this whole thing. So lots of walking, right? We carpool two other buddies that because my husband was going uh-huh. to the same college. So we bring <laughs> these guys with us in our vehicle while I'm cramping. And when we were on that tour, things started getting worse. We start mm-hmm. falling further and further behind. Because <laughs> when you are having a contraction now, instead of calling it a cramp, a contraction now, I these were stopping me in my tracks a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was just walking to like, oh, it's cramping. It was like, hold on a second. <laughs> so I'd be like leaning into my husband leaning into the wall and then we catch back up because it would mm-hmm. die off right totally goes away and you can carry on yeah well we get in the car and i like, thank god at this point i reach out <laughs> to my midwife and because i was in denial a little bit like yeah i went 41 and three <laughs> maybe not it it was it and i knew it but i was denying it a little mm-hmm. bit you know i was a little bit scared probably and so i reached out I'm like hey this is it let's let's go so we drop these guys back off in the mm-hmm. college and we head home and um, that process basically looked like me um, denying it a little bit further. So when you're having cramping, mm-hmm. you can have something called Braxton Hicks, where it's mm-hmm. kind of like a fake cramp or a prodromal labor where it's happening but dies off. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure I was sure I was sure that this was it. So at the time, I didn't have a bath. I went, my mother-in-law lived across the street. I went to her house <laughs> and I got a bath to make sure that, okay, well, I'm in this bath. Let's see if these die off. Yeah. Of course it did not. So once I realized this is not dying off, she's like, you need to get out of here and get on a baby in my tub. <laughs> so I got a shower and my husband's like, what are you doing? You need to get back over here. He already had my birth pole blown up. He was ready. Filled up. <laughs> yeah. Like he was like, go time. Like I've never seen the dude move so fast. But um, we went back to the house. My midwife came over with us or my, my mother-in-law did before my midwife got there. And I just labored at home. And so what that oh. looked like was what I just described to you during the day, things were getting closer and closer mm-hmm. together and a little bit more intense. And, um, that's just how it went for the whole thing. It really mm-hmm. just kind of intense, intense, intense. And your body knows that that's happening. Things are expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your hormones and your internal like medicine cabinet yeah. is pumping out the endorphins and everything you need to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I ended up getting in my birth pole. And during the birth process, my midwife and her assistant midwife were there. So again, this isn't just me like sitting in a tub, pushing out a baby with nothing. They're there, they're watching, they're Mm -hmm. checking my heart rate. They have the fetal heart rate that they're checking intermittently, like every once in a while checking and seeing. They're making me move through some positions, Mm -hmm. um, doing vaginal exams if I want. So it's, it's monitored the same way. It's just in a quiet setting without beeping, without, mm-hmm. you know, me having things pushed on me that I'm not yeah. wanting. And when you're in the house, like, you don't have the option for these interventions mm-hmm. right away, right? <laughs> and so if something were to 
go to the point that I wanted it, I would do what's called a hospital birth transfer. And mm-hmm. we would just, you know, either drive ourselves or have the ambulance come and bring me to the hospital to finish yeah. the birth. Um, whether that was something that I wanted to, if I was exhausted, if I changed my mind, or if I did have something come up that needed care, mm-hmm. right? And so that's always an option. They're always watching and monitoring for that. They have their little clipboards and they're writing down the notes of the birth. Mm-hmm. It's very, very documented just in a home setting, you know? Yeah. Um, and so ultimately I did have my bo- my daughter born in the water, um, which was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I think I got in the tub way too soon and the tub was way too hot. <laughs> I watched, I watched all these videos on YouTube of like home births and stuff. Cause that's yeah. how I would prep without having birth classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they would be boiling water, making extra warm. Well, ours was warm. Like I was kind of yeah. like a boiling lobster in there. I felt like I was having like <laughs> cool washcloths coming out of the freezer yeah. on my head. Um, so I knew my second birth, like I learned some things, like I'm going to get in the tub a lot later into yeah. the process. Um, and so I did have a long pushing stage, like Cass and she was on here. I didn't love the pushing. It was hard on me. Mm-hmm. And I just like, didn't know how really that mm-hmm. first time. I just was like, my body will do it. I'll figure it out. And it, it did, but it was a little bit more challenging mm-hmm. than the second time where I, I knew some things. Right? Yeah. But it's really cool. Once, once the baby's born, you get to have them come right up to you mm-hmm. and, you know, just start that bonding process, yeah. do breastfeeding right on demand. Um, when Aspen was born, maybe in a hospital setting, she would have been like pulled away from me. They probably would have freaked out. I just feel like they keep liability so high and they're so used to seeing problems that like when they're a hammer, everything's a nail, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Aspen was born with a cord around her neck four times. Well, wow. one third of babies statistically have a cord around their neck at birth. Yeah. They just unwind it. Yeah. It's not a problem because they are not breathing oxygen at that point. Yeah. And they can be born underwater because until they take that first breath of air, they're not using that style uh-huh. of breathing yet. Because yeah. think about it, they're floating around in and like fluid water. water. Yeah. So it's really it's not a big it's not a big deal. And the hospital here, not other birth centers, they're not letting people use the jacuzzi tub to birth and stuff. And they also do not love the cords being around the neck. They probably would take them, suction them. But Aspen came too. Like everybody in the room was a little bit like oh my God, is this good? Like in my room, but I just, I knew it was. Like, yeah. There was something intuitively in me. It's like, she's fine. I'm just like, hold her. I'm like, you got it. You're good. You're mm-hmm. fine. Come on. And she just kind of cleared her own throat out and was yeah. then crying. Everybody else starts crying. And it's uh-huh. just like a really, you know, beautiful yeah. thing. Um, and then the great thing about that home birth is that then you're in your home. You know, you're monitoring. Yeah. They do a vaginal check afterward. They see, you know, do we have any tearing? Do we have anything mm-hmm. that stitched? And they have things with them there. Like if you have excess bleeding, they can um, do an injection of Pitocin. They have that on Oh, them. I didn't if, even know they had like that ability yeah, to do that yeah. as well. And okay. um, they, you know, they have other things like just different balloon tools to stop if you would have hemorrhaging. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, they're very, they're very equipped yeah. for any kind of birth, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they can do the stitching if you need. They have like different anesthesia gels and stuff to put on you so it's mm-hmm. not as rough there. Um, but then they can kind of help you the breastfeeding they help you clean up everything wow. and and then they go you know and they come back to your house to do your postpartum visit yeah but the best part about that was that I'm in my home now I don't have somebody coming in my room I don't have the extra mm-hmm. monitoring the beeping somebody poking and prodding and taking my baby from yeah. me and I get to do it on my own terms you know mm-hmm. just the, the comfort the freedom um the second time through of Miles's birth 
um, I was just ready. You know, at this point, mm-hmm. I have done so <laughs> much research that I was excited yeah. to have a chance to do it again. Yeah. A little bit more nervous because I knew that birth was intense. That's what I learned. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is fine. I got this. And then I was a little bit shaken up by birth, <laughs> even though I did it. Vaginally and everything. I was like, the pushing took me a while. That was intense. I was so exhausted. I was so sore after. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I was a little humbled that like yeah. this is an intense <laughs> labor process. The second time I studied birth more, I've already had my certifications and yeah. classes. I told you I became such a nerd. So for his birth, <laughs> It happened similar, um, but at 40 weeks on the dot, which is wow. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I was prepared to go over, but again, it was one of those in- intuitive things. I knew yeah. like this baby's going to come on time. I can uh-huh. just feel it. <laughs> well, he came right on time. It was like around midnight on his 40 week mark wow. that labor started <laughs> and I had him um, by eight in the morning. So awesome. both of my labor processes were, like I said, very similar. They yeah. were about eight-ish hours which is like both of them. That's you know? awesome. Um, yeah. But my pushing stages with both were over the hour point. So that was like a tough part. Yeah. You know, I wasn't one of those moms yeah. that has like three pushes <laughs> and their baby's out. Like my babies had to work through my pelvis. To yeah. Out. And both my babies were sizable. You know, one was eight, five and one was eight, 10. Yeah. So I mean, good size. Babies. Good size. I don't consider it like large, but they're bigger than a lot of people have a baby. You yeah. Know? Um, or maybe, you know, I'm nobody that isn't watching YouTube or something like that smaller you know petite where somebody mm-hmm. might have said like that's too big for you <laughs> but fat squishes cranial bone shift yes it's gonna be fine I hate when people are told me <laughs> it's too big but with Miles um because his heart rate was getting a little droppy because again they're monitoring mm-hmm. it my midwife had me move positions a few times and I was kind of annoyed with her but I was like it's okay it's why I hired her because intuitively I was like I'm good here this is where I feel uh-huh. good my body's telling me to be here. And she's like, no, you need to move. And so I listened to her. She actually had me get out of the birth pole. And I had him on the ground in my living room uh-huh. instead of in the birth pole, which that felt like my security blanket. Yeah. And then I realized, okay, I can do this anywhere, you know. Like, yep. But I don't know why that birth is like my security pole. Yeah. And um, I did get out on the ground to have him. And I had to, I had to push him out a little bit harder than I would have liked. But... You know, when somebody's saying, okay, push, get this baby out. Then, yeah. Then you're pushing to get the baby out. And he had the cord around his neck twice. <laughs> so both of them, he could just make long cords yeah. really mobile babies in the womb. But yeah, but same thing with him. Everything was good. And honestly, after that birth, immediately, like I had the feeling immediately, like, I want to do this again and see if I can do even better. Like, I don't know why. Like, I'm just, <laughs> like, I'm just like a competitive person. So I'm like competing with myself. And I'm like, okay, I did this, 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 and this good. But maybe I'm like evaluating myself. Yeah. Like Monday, Monday did quarterbacking myself where I'm like, okay, so I could have done this next time. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we're having more. <laughs> but I did that to myself. But yeah. I love that. Gives you a glimpse. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I think it's so interesting to hear people's birth stories, but then yeah. especially um, hearing from you about the home birth experience. And then how your first one varied from your second one when you had had the experience and more knowledge for the second one too. And now you're like geared up for a third to just like bang it out of the park if you ever want to. I think think because my husband and I, I mean, I would never say 100%, never say never, but I think because we settled on like, you know, 
two is probably our number. Yeah. I think that's what really geared me to being like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to teach other people yeah. how to do this. <laughs> and I started my birth classes. I'm like living vicariously yeah. through them. Yeah. You, know? you have all these ladies giving birth. And right, right, right. Stories. And I get yeah. to see and hold and work on their newborns. And I get my fill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you sharing that gets me excited for someday for pregnancy and birth yeah. and laboring. And um, I know it's obviously a very hard, like, strenuous thing for your body but I think yeah. it's such a beautiful process yeah. and I think like if women were able to embrace more and hopefully they are of yeah. like the idea of this is something amazing and beautiful even yeah. though it's hard that our bodies can do and just yeah. like getting excited through yeah. hearing other people's stories and stuff I mean, like that you just feel so empowered after like you feel yeah. like superwoman like you're like I just did that. yeah <laughs> like and it's just cool. And like, so the yeah. second time through in my head, I'm kind of, you know, I always talk about like, you're in like labor land, birth world mm -hmm. during it, that you're kind of out of your thinking brain. And I was, you know, I'd kind of zone out even in between my contractions. This is something that a lot of people don't know can happen, but it's so intense while it's squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And then it stops that even if it's 30 seconds, I was falling asleep. Wow. I went into such go, 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 rest, rest, rest. Yeah. Where like I would doze off and I'd almost be dreaming and I'd wake up to, there's that yeah. um, <laughs> cuff squeezing me again. And I go, oh, here we go. And I start mm -hmm. like, okay, here's how I'm going to breathe. Here's how I'm going to move. And it's mm -hmm. just that like pattern that you're falling into. But um, it's crazy. Like that's how yeah. out of it I would get. But in that second one where I knew things, I'd be able to tap in there once in a while mm -hmm. and go, okay, here's where I'm at. What can I do? And it was just so cool looking back yeah. on after and being like, how I experienced that and dealt with it and mm -hmm. used my knowledge and put it into practice. And I don't know, I can nerd out. Like if you need to do a 10 hour <laughs> podcast on birth, we could do a 10 hour, but you know. Yeah, no, I, I love what you shared, especially like um, for me, not being pregnant or like yeah. having any of this knowledge, not even knowing the resources like a midwife can offer and what mm -hmm. that looks like a home birth versus a hospital, because I think yeah. it is like, people get scared or have judgments around what yeah. a home birth is going to look like. And then to kind of hear like, it's essentially very similar, mm -hmm. but just you have more options. You're in yeah. your home. It's not in the hospital setting. Um, I think it just like helps to wrap my head around what different yeah. options I mean, are maybe that you might not It's know. just not for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have people say, can't believe you did that. I could never do that. And my answer over time is, and no, you could have never yeah. do that. Because I think that you have to be, comfortable mm -hmm. that is the most important thing in labor is to have a sense of comfort because mm -hmm. adrenaline completely works against this hormone called oxytocin we have in our mm -hmm. body and oxytocin allows the uterus to contract and so adrenaline stopping uterine contraction is not great mm -hmm. right um and so you need to have that sense of security yeah and where you're at and if somebody's fearful in their home to give birth do not give birth yeah. in your home <laughs> and when I teach these classes the large majority of the women coming to me are going to give birth in the hospital mm -hmm. and so I'm not speaking to it from a home birth perspective I'm speaking it from a birth perspective yes. like the physiologic process of birth yeah and the very first course I had I had a midwife join me from um life's journey in Dubois like mm -hmm. the local OBGYN and she came to my class with me and she helped mm -hmm. me teach 
And she sat kind of on the sideline and she added stuff in for me Mm -hmm. that I could utilize in future courses. You know, like I'm teaching a class, taking notes on the side while she's saying things about the hospital process. Because that I asked, she offered to be there actually, which was amazing Mm -hmm. of her. Um, But it was so important for me to have a little bit more of experience in a hospital setting Mm -hmm. for sharing it. You know, things that these women aren't thinking about, like, hey, when you first get in the hospital, what is that going to look like for you? Yeah. Ask, you know, what are the routine interventions that are going to happen to you mm-hmm. there that you want to know about in case you want to opt out? Cause if you don't know yeah. your options, you don't have any. Yeah. So yeah, it's all about knowledge to be empowered. Yeah. And, and that's why I love what you're doing here. Sharing with us today, sharing your birth courses, yes. even as a chiropractor, um, in the midst of those adjustments, I know sharing kind of knowledge about yeah. those bodies and that just helps to empower them. Um, and help them to make, better decisions for themselves, knowing what their options are. Um, so with that said, as far as like chiropractic, pregnancy, oh birthing, anything about health, um, is there anything else you want to share? Any tips you have before we sign off is like a fun um, thing. Yeah. <laughs> so chiropractic, um, if you aren't doing it, start, <laughs> just go. The hardest part for most people with anything is starting and mm-hmm calling, messaging, setting up and making yourself an appointment with a chiropractor near you. Um, the benefits are plentiful and there's no poor side effects to it. So to me, it's a no brainer. It's just a simple way to boost your overall health. I always say to people, you know, there's lots of things you can do to increase your health. Chiropractic is one of those things. To me, Mm -hmm. it's one of the most important, but to you, it's just something else that you can do to help your health. You know, some people can take mm-hmm. a supplement or a vitamin every day and choose to do that. You can boost the body with chiropractic. Um, and, you know, um, as far as the pregnancy, that was the other part that you said, right? The yeah, any tip. tips, chiropractic, oh, pregnancy, health, anything. Uh, okay, <laughs> so the other tip, like, if you are pregnant, is to get informed from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, like, look into, the biggest one is look into your options, because like I said, if you don't know your options, you don't have any. Yeah. So be vocal at your appointments, no, no matter what route you're going with, and make sure you know what's going on so you're not blindsided by a situation. And if you're pregnant, make sure that you are staying active in the pregnancy and mobile in your pelvis, um, utilizing body work, whether it's through chiropractic or massage or just, you know, doing yoga and stretching on your own. Um, look up spinningbabies.com. They have some really good um, movement and daily practices for women. Um, so being informed and staying mobile in your pelvis are really the big ones for me. Buy yourself a exercise ball. People call it a birth ball and bounce around on it. Lean forward, <laughs> you know, shake your hips around on it. Keep the pelvis mobile. Um, and if you're not do- using chiropractic, try it out. Ah. That's a wonderful advice, wonderful tips. Um, thank you for sharing yeah. so much goodness <laughs> with us today. I know everybody's yeah. gonna love this episode. Yeah. Um, we will definitely link Katie down yeah. below, her chiropractic, yeah. everything um, she mentioned. She's just a wealth yeah. of, of info and, and resources. I'm, I'm an open book. So if my stuff's yeah. linked there and somebody wanted more details when I was talking about, shoot me a message, an email, call me. Like I. I'm happy to help and answer (laughs) anybody anywhere about it. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I am so excited for all our listeners to hear this and just so appreciative that you came and shared with us. Um, I can't thank you enough and yeah. 
Thank you for so having much. me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, guys, that is it for today. Hope you have a great day. Bye. Remember, although we talk all things health and wellness here, this is not medical advice and you should always seek out your medical professional for further questions. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to share, comment, and subscribe to help support our podcast.